0: Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come together this morning to celebrate. And even though we are not together in this same room that we call the worship center or the sanctuary, we are together. By your Spirit, we are your church. And we thank you, Father. We look forward to the day that we'll get together together again when all our voices will lift as one again. In one place. But in the meantime, we thank you, Father, that you are with us. And we thank you for Easter and the hope that it gives us, especially in the midst of all that's going on in our world right now. So we ask now that by your Spirit, you'd speak to us and that we would be encouraged. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm so glad you're with us this Easter Sunday morning, and it's going to be an Easter Sunday like no other. It already has. And due to the condition of our world today, the songs we sang may hold even more meaning for you, and you may be more ready than ever to meet Jesus face to face. But until that day, whenever that is, we're here. And we are going to make it through this together. In the midst of all the uncertainty that is our life now and this new normal, uh, the anxiety we have over health or over finances or for our loved ones, even for the salvation of folks that we know and all those that are not going to make it because of COVID-19. The revival that we pray for happening. We're here together. So today we take up the topic of overcoming anxiety when life turns upside down. Our sermon series, When Life Turns Upside Down, Facing the Anxieties of COVID-19, are all available for you through our website, southviewbaptist.org, or on our Vimeo channel, our Facebook page. You can find it if you need to. And keep in mind, you can always email me, Aaron, at southviewbaptist.org. I'd love to hear from you. If you haven't already opened your Bibles to Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12, that will be our key text today. Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12, and I've got to thank the Elitsen family for reading that for us already as you heard them, and we're going to walk through that scripture passage verse by verse. Now, one special note today as we talk about overcoming anxiety, When life turns upside down, please know that I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not talking about anxiety in the clinical sense. That anxiety that might come from our genetics, might come from our brain chemistry, might come from our environmental factors such as trauma or stress. I'm talking about anxiety in the colloquial sense, the distresses or uneasiness of our mind that is caused by fear or danger or misfortune or uncertainty. I'm talking about what you and I are dealing with right now, with COVID-19 in our world. As Pastor David pointed out last week, all of us go through hard times at some time or another, but what's unique about this is that we're all going through this at the very same time, even though the peak of the curve may be different in different parts of the world, even in different parts or states in the United States, we're all experiencing this together. So, as we turn our attention to Scripture, we see that there are eight different general sources on your outline sheet that I allude to where anxiety can come from, where anxiety can come from. So we've been asking our kids to draw pictures. So kids, if you want to draw a picture of someone who's worried, um, maybe include in that picture something about why they might be worried as well. But for us as adults, as we turn our attention to scripture, it says there in Luke 24, verse one, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. I normally become anxious when, and this is the first point on your outline, that anxiety can come from despair and loss, like the death of a friend. These were Jesus' friends. They weren't just his followers or his disciples. These people loved Jesus. When you read the Gospels, you see that certain people were afraid of Jesus, mainly religious folks or those that were demon-possessed because the demons knew his real power. But those who walked with him most, those who spent the time with him most, really did love Jesus, and they lost a friend. And remember, he didn't die of natural causes. He died a cruel Terrible death and so here they are going early in the morning. This is Sunday morning, Easter Sunday we know it as they didn't know Easter yet. they just knew that the Sabbath had finished for the though them as Jewish people with sundown on Saturday, so they're not going to go in the middle of the night. I mean you know, torches, lights, candles, whatever um, they're going to go on sunrise. so as the morning comes, they go to the tomb. But what was it that they found? Well, they weren't there yet. As they're going, though, they had to have despair and loss. They may have been depressed. They may have been exhausted. They certainly were mourning and may have been without hope because Jesus, their Lord, their teacher who they had followed, was dead. And though he had talked about rising again, we're going to see in just a moment that all those things didn't quite compute yet despair hopelessness depression all these things are common for us when we face loss especially when an unexpected or momentous loss hits our life yet for this group of ladies there was shock and surprise That's your second point on your outline, a second source where anxiety might come from. And that is shock and surprise, like an empty tomb. And that's in verses 2 and 3. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, Mark tells us that they were worried about how they were going to roll the stone away. They were a group of four ladies, and it was obviously a big stone. But they found it rolled away. Verse 3 says, But then they entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It's interesting that the men didn't want to go in when they came later, but the women went right in. And they didn't find Jesus' body. Can you imagine their shock and their surprise? Were they thinking maybe it was foul play? Who would do such a thing? Roll the stone back, desecrate a tomb, take the body of a dead person, much less Jesus, their friend, their Savior, their Lord. Would somebody steal Jesus a thief I mean it's not like Jesus had any special or valuable things buried with him and why take his body or even a conspiracy theory who would take the body of their Lord Jesus well they had shock and surprise they quickly turned to what is our third point and that's from the fourth and fifth verses and that's uncertainty and fear uncertainty and fear like an angel talking to you Once upon a time when I was a missionary in South Africa, very late on a Sunday evening, I'm driving down a dark stretch of highway uh, between a small town and a larger town, And I see two people walking alongside the road. And I could tell by the way they were walking and the posture of their bodies that was an elderly black African couple. So I immediately pulled over and backed up towards them. And I went to them and, you know, they spoke English. I spoke English. And uh, I I, I said to them, uh, you know, where are you going? And they told me where I was going. I said, that's just past where I'm going. I can give you a lift. Got them settled in my car. It was a little chilly and I turned on the heat for them. And they asked me, well, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from America. What are you doing here? I'm a missionary. And they began talking in Zulu. Now I didn't know Zulu, but I could tell by their tone that they had some consternation, some concern. And finally the man looks at me and he says, you know, cause I'm driving on the right and he's sitting on the left and he actually put his hand on me and he touched me and he says something to her in Zulu in the back seat. And then he looks me straight in the face and he says, are you an angel? I said, no, 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 I'm not an angel. He said, well, we had been praying that God would send somebody to help us get home because it was a long way to walk and we missed our ride. Are you an angel? I said, no, I'm not an angel. I mean, you all know me. I'm not an angel. But imagine if you were the women coming to the tomb. Verse 4 says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning dazzling appearance scripture says the idea is that they were glowing i mean we don't normally see people glowing right and this puts a whole new light on things the ladies went with despair and they went with anxiety they were mourning the loss of jesus and now shock and wonder as the angels are there before them verse 5 in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground what else would you do right I mean, it run away maybe, but if you assume these are angels, they bowed with their faces to the grounds. And look what the angels say. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's alive, ladies. He's alive. Some of us at times treat Jesus as if he's dead. He's like a caricature. He's somebody we know about from the Bible and the stories we've heard at church, yet he's not real to us because we haven't spent time with him in order to make him real with us. And even when we talk to him in prayer, it's like a monologue. It's like talking to somebody who's not there and just giving them our list of things we wish or hope for. But the Bible teaches us That right here, Jesus rose from the grave and that he's still alive today and he wants a personal relationship with you and I. And any of us can have that with him if we'll only ask. You might be the kind of person that would say, Jesus could never love me. He does. The Bible says that God so loves you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that if you believe in him, you could have eternal life. And maybe you need to make that decision today. If you do, please let me know. Aaron at southviewbaptist.org. Email me. Let's talk more. God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life if you'd only allow him in. And so God desires a relationship with us that is personal. And Jesus, why do you look for the living among the dead? It's Easter Sunday morning. And they've just discovered that Jesus isn't in the tomb. So I've stated uh, six different reasons from this passage of scripture, but your fourth point on your outline about things that would cause us anxiety is stress and the unknown, like what we're dealing with in COVID-19 right now. We are all full of things that are uncertain to us, things that are unknown to us, and that can and is causing stress, anxiety, fear, and all these related emotions that are very real, some of us bearing up more than others. And social distancing is working, the projections are coming down, yet tens of thousands of people right here in the United States are dying because of this disease, and hundreds of thousands more will be sick because of this disease, and even more than that will lose their job or have financial impacts on their family and their life, and heaven knows how many months or years this might last. So we're all in this together with the stress and uncertainty. Yes, anxiety is very real, yet Even in this very passage of scripture, God, by his providence, has in here something to teach us today, something to teach us about how we can overcome anxiety. Let's get there, right? Verse 6, the angel says, he is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. The first way we can overcome anxiety right here in this passage of scripture is receiving a word from God, receiving a word from God. The son of man must be delivered, he said, into the hands of sinful man, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. God did it. It's interesting when the angel said, he is not here, he has risen. That phrase, he has risen, in the Greek is actually the passive tense in the Greek, meaning Jesus didn't do it himself. It means that God took Jesus from the tomb, that he raised Jesus from the dead. And you notice it said that he told you it was going to happen. Now, we might want to chide or chastise the ladies, right? Ladies, didn't you know this was going to happen? I mean, Jesus said this himself. It's recorded in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9, verse 22, chapter 9, verse 44, chapter 17, verse 25, chapter 18, verse 32. We don't know if all the ladies were there in all those times, but surely some or all of these ladies had heard Jesus say that he was going to be buried or die, buried, and on the third day he would arose. Surely they had heard that, Right but maybe like some of the other things that Jesus said that we have recorded in the Gospels, they thought it was metaphorical, they thought it was a figure of speech, or maybe it just didn't totally click yet. So let's not be too hard on those ladies. But notice how it applies to us. My point is that we overcome anxiety by receiving a word from God. The truth to note is that Jesus said it, He was going to be buried. He was going to rise on the third day. And Jesus has now done it. What it teaches us is that you can always count on God. You can always trust his word, no matter what. So we've got an application question there. And that application question is, how do I hear from God? You personally, how do you hear from God? If you say, I don't hear from God, pastor, I want to, but I'd want to ask, well, are you trying? Are you engaging the Bible? Are you going to God in prayer? Are you asking him to forgive you of any sin you may have in your life in order that you have an open channel to him to communicate, that you're spending time with him, that you're seeking to hear from him regularly? You know, there's that saying that uh, asks, when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, yesterday, right, is the cliche. And we might apply that to when is the best time to begin engaging God's word that you might hear from him. Well, today is what my answer would be. So don't let the devil tell you, well, you're not hearing from God, shame on you. You're nothing but a no-good sinner. That's right. You are nothing but a no-good sinner, but you're a sinner that Jesus died for and loves. And he desires a personal relationship with you, and God has given you the Bible. God's given us the Holy Spirit that we might receive a word from him anytime we need it. So not only are we engaged in God's word, but we move on in our passage of Scripture to our second way that we can overcome anxiety, and that's remembering what Jesus said. Verse 8 is our Scripture memory verse for the month. It simply says, then they remembered his words. Five words make up Luke 24, 8. Then they remembered his words. Those five words mean so much to me. Kids, if you're drawing a picture, draw a picture like you're hanging out and you're talking with Jesus. Adults, think about it. What words of Jesus do you know? Teenagers, think about it. What words of Jesus do you know? Children, what words of Jesus do you know? The things that Jesus himself said that we should be or that we should do or that we should know. Then they remembered his words. Our question there asks, when do I recall Jesus' teachings? Beyond God's Word as a whole, all the Bible, the Gospels give us some of the words of Jesus. I don't know if you have a Bible that is a red-letter edition that has the words of Jesus in red, or maybe if your Bible app, you've got that function turned on where you see the words of Jesus in red. And you spend enough time with Jesus that you know his words and you know them in your head and you know them in your heart and you live them out in your life. So his teachings are part of who you are. So we've seen here reasons for anxiety with the four ladies that have gone to the tomb. We've seen here some ways to overcome anxiety and now we get our third way to overcome anxiety. And our third point is sharing hope with others. The four ladies that were there then, go back to wherever it was in Jerusalem that all the other disciples and followers of Jesus were gathered. I see that in verse nine and ten when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, so that's the eleven disciples and the others who were there with them. It was Mary Magdalene now Mary Magdalene is mentioned most often and in Mark chapter sixteen, verse nine, and in each gospel and then Joanna. Joanna is only here and in uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 2 as well. Mary, the mother of James, your Bible might say, or the wife of James, but mother of is probably the best interpretation. And then the others. We know that the others included Salome from Mark chapter 16, verse 1. And the w- phrase here is the others is feminine in Greek, so it means it was a group of ladies. So it's at least four ladies, maybe more. And they told the apostles, it says. So Luke already uses this new term for them as the sent out ones, not the disciples. But what's it say there? In verse 10, they told them. They went to encourage them. They went to share the news with them. But God bless those sweet ladies. They had just witnessed something that was unbelievable. And they went to tell others. And they went with hope. They went with joy. They went with expectation. And they give us an example. And that leads us to your third question there. And that's who can I encourage today? In the midst of all the anxiety that all of us are facing and all the life is in COVID-19, when life is turned upside down, who can we share the hope of Jesus with? Who this very day, Easter Sunday, as you're watching this, can you share the hope of Jesus with? Isn't it something when we're all down even when we're down, even when we're without hope, that when we see hope and when we meet Jesus and hear a word from God by the angel in this passage and for any of us as we read the word and as we pray, that we then can take that word we've received and share it with others. So we've got all these reasons for fear, worry, anxiety, even depression, and we've got a way now to overcome that. And one of those ways is to share it with others. Unfortunately, in this case, look at the reaction. Your fourth point on your outline of overcoming anxiety when life turns upside down is that sometimes we have to look for Jesus ourselves. We have to look for Jesus myself. And that's in verse 11. But they did not believe the women. Now, don't take this in any sexist sort of way that because it was women, they didn't believe him. It was unbelievable. And that's why they didn't believe him. They didn't believe that Jesus could have been risen from the dead. They saw the way he was crucified. They saw the tomb he was put in. They were skeptical. And until they had some irrefutable evidence, not just an eyewitness that, hey, maybe they went to the wrong tomb. Maybe they're just tired. Maybe they're just making it up. I mean, these bunch of yahoos here don't believe them. They didn't believe the woman because their words seemed like nonsense, Scripture says. It didn't make sense to them. So Peter, God bless Peter. Peter's impetuous. Peter's rash. Peter sticks his foot in his mouth. Peter says things he shouldn't say. But Peter's also a man of action. And in this case, what does Peter do in verse 12? Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Now, in John, it's recorded that John went with him, and Peter got there uh, second and went in, but it, it says here that bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. Now, please note that when you look at the occurrences of this story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that all of them are a little bit different on the number of angels and the details, and we shouldn't think that that means that they're conflicted. We should see it as the fact that each of these writers is reporting their story independent from the other. And so they're recording different details, just like you or I would when we're writing a story versus someone else who's in the room and sees the same story. So Peter looks in, sees that Jesus is gone, and what's it say? He went away, wondering to himself what had happened. He was marveling. The ESV says he didn't quite have it all computed in his head, but he knew that Jesus wasn't there and that the strips of cloth that had been on Jesus were laying there. And the other gospel tells us even the handkerchief that had been on Jesus head was folded neatly looking for Jesus ourselves is sometimes what we need to do in order to overcome anxiety. We might receive a word from God, We might consider the words of Jesus. We might offer words of hope to someone else. But sometimes, when we're especially down, when things don't make sense to us, we've got to pursue Jesus by ourselves and pursue Him further and longer. And we've got to take time to ponder, to wonder, to marvel, just like Peter did. Which leads us to that final question on your outline, and that's why should I pursue Jesus? Why should I pursue Jesus? Well, it's Easter. First Corinthians fifteen, three and four says that for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Jesus is who he says he was. Jesus did what he said he would do, and Jesus loves you and he loves me, and he will carry us through, even through COVID-19. And this is why we celebrate Easter. We have a risen Savior, Jesus, and this is how we can overcome any anxiety or trial we face. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you that your word is truth, and that your word tells us that Jesus is alive and in the stories that follow in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus is alive irrefutably, without question. And we pray, Father, that if there's anyone that's listened to this message today who's not yet a follower of Jesus, that they would trust him as their personal Savior and Lord now. And for those of us that are Christians, but because of the circumstances we face right now, we've got questions, anxieties, fears, and doubts, would we be encouraged by this word from Scripture today? We thank you, Father, that we can overcome anxiety and we can overcome anything because Christ in us is the hope, sure and certain, of your glory in our lives. We thank you for all these things. In the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior, amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us this Easter Sunday. We're so glad you've been here with us. Again, if you're our guest, we'd love to hear from you, Aaron, at Southyoubaptist.org. And if you don't have it already and you want to participate in our Easter photo scavenger hunt, maybe the weather's not the best outside, but you can still find creative ways to do that even within your home, see that on our Facebook page or email me. We'll get you details. We'd love to have you participate. Thank you. God bless you and happy Easter